Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today, we're going to uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. I'm also going to have that verse up on the screen. And uh, if you want to go there in, in the text, you can read it. It's always great to read scripture in context because anybody can just pull a few verses out and make them, you know, support anything. Um, so we are, we are in this series called Our War because we know that the war that we wrestle with and wage is a different kind of war. And so today as part of this, I'm going to be talking to you about what being a watchman looks like. What being a watchman looks like. Now, I don't know if you know a whole lot about watchmen, but everywhere, pretty much in every area of society, there are watchmen. If you go to Walmart, there's watchmen at the doors. They're watching. They're watching for shoplifters. You might not even know it, but in in my four years of working in retail, you might not know it. You probably do, but there are people watching you the entire time you are in that store. They're in a room. We called ours the security room, really fancy name, but in the security room, there's a wall of cameras, and they are all over the store watching every aisle, and on our breaks, we just love to go back and watch people steal. You know, I don't know what it was about, but we just love to go back there on our lunch break and, you know, and we would just go in and we'd watch them make busts and uh, people, how they would try to hide a rod, like a fishing rod up, up, up their pants leg. You know, they're, they're walking out of the store like, you know, it's like there are people watching everywhere. When you're asleep last night, We have people watching our borders. We have people watching our airspace. We have people watching our enemy. Did you hear what I said? They're watching our enemy. They're surveilling. So throughout Scripture, there were watchmen all throughout the Old Testament. There are natural watchmen and there are supernatural watchmen. Let me say it again. There are natural watchmen and there are supernatural watchmen. All right, and so throughout uh, the the Middle East, these are what some watchtowers look like. This is one that's over a field, looking over. Uh, shepherds would use these elevated platforms where they would look out, and we we look through Scripture and read Scripture. And there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. You know, when on the night that Jesus was born, this is where they were. They were in some towers looking out over the fields to make sure the wolves are, are uh, kept back and their, shep, uh, their sheep are safe. Uh, there are uh, bastions that, you know, you have at castles that uh, are watchtowers where you'll have watchmen on the walls. So you've got watchmen in fields, you have watchmen on the walls, and then you have uh, watchmen at the gate. These are called gatekeepers. Shay and I actually walked in front of that gate, through that gate in uh, Jerusalem when we were there. But you see 
if, if you can see this little guy right here, what are they doing? They're looking out. They're not on their phones. They're not on their cell phones. That's not the kind of people you want as watchmen. You want people who are alert. You want people, a watchman is at an elevated level. Are you following me? A watchman is at an elevated level. They see things you don't see. They see it from a different perspective. Come on, church. This is important. This is important because there are things you think you know, but you don't know. There are things you think you don't know, but you don't know. Why? Because the shepherd, that's me, the shepherd, the elders, the shepherd knows things that you may not know. They're at a different uh, level of, of, of seeing things from a totally different vantage point. It's not, it's not that they're smarter than you. It's not that whatever, whatever. It's that they're at a different vantage point. I'm telling you what. Anytime you're in warfare, you want to have the higher ground. You want to have a different vantage point. You don't want to be seeing at the same level uh, as the enemy. You want to be at a different vantage point. And so you have, throughout history, you have people who are watchmen, both in the natural and in the supernatural. And, in, and throughout the Old Testament, the people who were the watchmen were the prophets, not just the average everyday person. Now, you listen to me because I'm going to say some things. Hardly ever a Sunday goes by that I won't make somebody mad. And I'm not trying to make you mad. I do not wake up and go, let me go see how many people I can make mad today. But the gospel offends. I, don't, I didn't say it. Jesus, with his own lips, said the gospel offends. And so when we're talking about being watchmen everybody's not a watchman. You can watch, but it doesn't mean you're a watchman. Please hear me, and I will say it again. You can watch, but it doesn't mean you're a watchman. I can go to WebMD, and I can look up my symptoms on WebMD, but if you came to me and said, man, I think I need a... a, a open heart surgery. Man, I just read about that the other day on WebMD. I know I can do it. I can do it. Man, you ain't going to want me to do that. Why? Because I can diagnose based upon some research that I've done, but I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm, I can be medical, but it doesn't be, mean that I'm a medical doctor. Are you following me? I can read a little bit about counseling, but you don't want me to come trying to diagnose you if you have something like bipolar or depression or something like that. I can give you my opinion based upon what I read, but I ain't been to that school. So let me say this with confidence and, not, and, and you not hear me through a lens of arrogance uh, or, or hurt or whatever. You cannot do what I do. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it slow. You cannot do what I do. You can know about the Bible. You can be, listen, you can even know more about the Bible than me. Doesn't mean that you can do what I do. There is a calling on my life. I am called to the apostolic ministry. There's a calling upon my life that you can't do what I do. 
Man, I have people so many times will, will, will tell me uh, things like, you know, that, like they know better than I do. I do. They know better than I do. And I'm like, man, I promise you, you couldn't walk a week in my shoes. People would have you so ticked off. You'd be so mad. You'd be all over Facebook blasting people. You'd be cussing folks out. You would be flipping them off. You would be giving them every kind. Of, you can't do what I do because there's a grace that comes with that call. And listen to me. Like you can watch, but it does not mean that you're a watchman. That's very important for you to understand. You can watch, but it doesn't mean you are a watchman. I had a man a few years ago uh, come to me, and he, he was, oh, can I get into it? I had a man come to me and he and his wife sat down with me in a room and I, and I, I said, I'll never meet with people again by myself. I'll never meet with people again by myself because he came in and all he did from the time he got in there, he built up a case and he was, I didn't know what they wanted to talk about and they were building this case up to attack me and I had no idea. And it shocked me because I thought I had a great relationship with this couple. And um, so anyway, he's building up to, he starts asking me these questions. When's the last time I've been to New Orleans? And I'm like, that's a weird question. Like, I don't know. And he's like, have you ever, do you, what are your feelings on Mardi Gras? And I'm like, you know, I really don't care for Mardi Gras. That's not my thing. I don't get into all of that hoopla and parade. Have I gone? Yes, I've gone to Mardi Gras parades in Fairhope and Daphne and taking my kids and, you know, throw me a moon pie and all that. Yeah, I get all that. But I'm like, so he's like, so you've, you've never been to New Orleans to a Mardi Gras parade? And I'm like, yeah, never. So you're telling me. And I'm like, what are you getting at? Like, just ask the question. And he pulls out his phone, and he shows me a picture of Shay and our son who are in uh, um, New Orleans for a competition. And I even said, didn't I, Shay? I even said, baby, you're going to have to do this one because we would swap off. I'd go to Dallas, she'd go to this one. And I, I said, you're going to have to do this one, because I ain't, all, I ain't about being up in that crazy place. At Mardi Gras, why would they have a competition at Mardi Gras? That makes no sense. And so as they were walking back to their hotel room from the competition, they took a picture, and, you know, and there's a parade in the background. And he pulls this out, and he said, you know, so explain this to me. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. And this is what I said to him, very respectfully. But I said to him, I want you to understand a couple of things. From the time you walked in here, you've done nothing but build a case to accuse me. I want to remind you that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Like you did not walk in here and say, Pastor, I've got something that bothers me. Can you explain this to me? Because I have a problem with Mardi Gras. And if my spiritual leader is celebrating Mardi Gras and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. None of that ever happened. None of that ever happened. Now, here's the dangerous part. Here's the dangerous part. He said, I am a watchman for the church. 
And I'm like, well, who appointed you as a watchman? That's, first of all, that's what I want to know. Who appointed you as a watchman? And I said, so here's the part about that that bothers me. Here's the part about that that bothers me. Watchmen are supposed to walk in a high level of wisdom and discernment. Of wisdom and discernment. And you've shown me in this conversation that you have neither of those. And I said to him that day, guess, guess where he was? Guess where he was? He was, on, he was the lead of our prayer team. I said, effective immediately, you are no longer the leader of our prayer team and you're not on the prayer team. Because if you can walk in here and make such egregious spiritual mistakes, you are not qualified to be leading this church spiritually. Furthermore, I didn't say it like that. That was just the evangelist coming out. But I did say, but, but furthermore, man, I said, uh, like, if you're going to come in here with that and you're going to accuse me of that and you're going to walk in such a level of, of like, like that, like, I'm just telling you, like, you cannot be in leadership here. I said, because here's the furthermore. What you're doing, you are practicing white witchcraft. Are you following me? Many people don't know what white, white witchcraft is. It's witchcraft that looks like religion. Do you know that people, Phineas, uh, uh, was it Hophni and Phineas in the scripture that were Eli's sons? That God killed them because they were practicing white witchcraft. It looked like they were doing the acts of the temple, but they were, they were screwing around with prostitutes. Sorry, that's just raw. I'm sorry. Sometimes it just comes out that way. They were uh, prostituting themselves with prostitutes. This is the people in leadership at the church. This is the people who come and serve you communion. This is the people that are leading you in worship. And they were doing the acts of the church that is white witchcraft. When somebody prays a, a, for someone and they're like, God, I want you to open his eyes. Well, you know, I, when I pray, this is what I pray for people. God, open their eyes to truth. Yeah. Not my version of the truth, but the truth. Because sometimes my version is skewed based upon what my understanding is of the facts. Uh, it might be whatever. But the scripture says in the book of John that the Holy Spirit who lives within us, guides us into all truth. So when I'm praying for people, I don't pray for them to bow to my will or my version of the truth. That is white witchcraft. Lord, you need to get a hold of our pastor because, Lord, you need to get a hold of sister so-and-so because whatever. And it's like, mm-mm, no. Man, I'm telling you what, you pray that God leads them into truth, whatever truth is that I might not even be walking in. And so, you know, when we call ourselves watchmen and we all, hear me, all of us are watchmen to a degree. But when it comes to the house of God, you have a degree of watchmanship that, that 
you're called to, but there's a certain level that you're not. There's a certain level that you're not. There are elders in this church that they are watchmen at a level that nobody else in this church is. Are you following me? I hope you're following me. So this is what Ephesians 6.12 says. It says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, man, we're not fighting. Hear me, church. We're not fighting one another on Facebook. We're not fighting one another in the natural right here. We're not fighting one another at the coffee uh, bar down the street or, you know, in the lunchroom. We're not fighting at that level. What we've got to realize is we are fighting spiritual things that are not seen. That, man, if we could just get that. Like when somebody's attacking you, when somebody's attacking you, when somebody's attacking me, we got to remind ourselves, Butch, it's not you. There's a spirit behind that. I love you. You're, you might be deceived. I might be deceived. It's not us. We're not fighting on a, on a fleshly one-on-one. There's a spirit behind it. And uh, I plan to speak on some of these spirits that are at, uh, at, in operation in the church. And, and in our church and other churches all over. Man, I used, to, I used to have this understanding of like, man, when we come to church, whoo! Jesus, ain't no devil up in here. Oh, my friend, how dumb I was. Like, hey, can I tell you, listen to me, there's a devil in here right now. Are you following me? Like, do you understand? Like, if Satan himself has access to heaven, who are we to think that... His only access is, he doesn't access it with any level of authority, but it's just to accuse, just to accuse, just to accuse. And why? How can the enemy come in? Because he is powerful and we are weak. And we will bring him in in our emotions. We will bring access to the enemy in through our trauma We will allow the enemy to come in through our own selfish pride, arrogance, sin, all these different ways. But man, I tell you what, we're waging a war that is not natural. And the church has lost its visage of that, if you will. Like they've lost the idea like, man, we are in a spiritual battle. Look at this. Watching without wisdom and discernment will leave you distracted, divided, and defeated. Watching without wisdom. I'm talking about when you have no wisdom, when you are not using discernment, it will leave you distracted, divided, and defeated. And what I mean by that is you'll be watching, and if you have no discernment, and if you have no wisdom, you'll be looking at things in the natural, and you'll respond in the natural, not understanding there's something much more uh, uh, villainous going on in the spirit realm. What will happen is you'll begin to respond in the flesh. Whenever something begins to go on in my world, I am not successful every time, church, but I'm pretty mature in this because I've been in this for 35 years. I hardly ever respond immediately. 
I hardly ever respond immediately. I pause. I take it into prayer. I ask God, God, what's going on? Should I do anything? What should I do? Should I do nothing? And I go off into that. And what will happen many times, listen, listen, listen. Why do we accept it in the political arena, but we will not accept it in the spiritual arena? We will say, hey, every time there's an election coming up, what happens? I mean, they've made movies about this, the, the movie uh, Tail That Wagged the Dog or, or whatever, uh, about how politically what will happen is they'll create a distraction. Let's go start a war. Let's go start a scandal. Let's go start these things. As a matter of fact, we see this. It's like the, you, they call it the November Surprise. And it's like they, they, those campaigns hold on to this. What is the purpose? For you to, to get you distracted off of the main thing on something else. Man, can I tell you, listen to me, somebody hear me when I'm saying this to you prophetically. For this house and what our house is going through right now, listen to me. Don't get distracted. Don't get your eyes off the prize. The enemy would love for us to get over here in this part and in our fields and all of this and get our mind off of what God is calling us to do. But as for me and my house, said Joshua, uh, I am going to serve the Lord. My house is going to serve the Lord. I can tell you this, as a man of God before you, this church, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be true to the word. And, and it might be me and my wife, and, I, I don't, and even if she leaves me, I promise you, I'm going to remain faithful to the word. See, I've told you before, and you've heard me say it, I love my family. I love my son. I love my daughter. But when it comes to me, blood is not thicker than water. I will not stick by her. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I will not stick by her side, and I hope she wouldn't stick by my side if I ever stray into sin or if I ever stray off the path. I hope that she would not try to cover up for me. I hope that because I'm not going to do it for her. I'm not going to do it for my kids because blood is not thicker than water, but the blood is thicker than water. I'm always, always, always going to err on the side of him and his righteousness. And baby, if you want to come along with me, that's great. And kids, if y'all want to come along with me, that's great. And church, if y'all want to come along with me, that's great. But hear me and hear me well. I will wake up on Sunday morning and I'll just preach to dry bones if I have to. I'm going to preach the word of God and we haven't been touched by it yet church but they're, they're, they're being touched everywhere. We've just missed the, the, the snares and the fiery darts but we are living in a day that you cannot say homosexuality is wrong and it is. You cannot say that there's no such thing as two genders and there are. You can no longer say that this, that and the other because of what the culture says and you are not a bigot. You are not a liar you are not all of these things and then they want to cancel you and slander you but there may be a day that's coming and when that day comes I will stand here by myself if I have to and speak to any news station and everything and I will say listen I love you I love you I love you listen to me I've got a son who is experiencing things in his world that are not godly I love him I don't know if Noah's watching today but that but I I can 
cannot say that where you are in your life, son, is a place of godliness and blessing. Do you hear what I'm saying? I love you. I'm not mean. I'm not trying to reject my son. If anything, what kind of father would run, run, run to me? I'd go barefoot from here to Manhattan where he lives if that's what it takes. But I will not bow down from the word. I won't do it. I will not do it, church. You hear what I'm saying? We can say that we love the world, but we don't agree with the things that are going on that are anti-biblical and ungodly. Look at 1 Peter 5. Look at 1 Peter 5. Baby, I hope you're not mad at me for saying that. But y'all know I'm transparent, right? I'm transparent. I've always been transparent. When it comes to my family, I ain't going to drag all their trash out in the you know, public square. But I'll, I'll let you know that, man, my family ain't perfect. We go through stuff that breaks our heart. There's a verse of scripture, and I think it's in 1 Peter. I think it's the last part some, somewhere, uh, sort of where we're reading, where Paul says this, or sorry, Peter says this. He says, you can take comfort in this. You're not the only one. Brothers and sisters all over the world are going through what you're going through. You're not the only one. Take heart to know that there's not something wrong with you. Do you know how many times I have thought, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me and Shay? What's wrong with us? With that, you know, we can't even get our family right. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I come across this verse that says, man, don't, don't sweat it. God's good. People all over. You ain't the only one going through it. You're not the only dad. You're not the only mom. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Stay alert. Let's read it again. Stay alert. Wake up. Wake up. Y'all believe that the enemy is on the prowl. Can I tell you, man, the church is so stinking asleep. Like, come on, man. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. You know, they're all woke, and we ain't even awake. How did we get to this place? I don't know that it's solely the church's fault, but we certainly bear a lot of the burden. Because, listen, there are people, well, I don't know if you're in here today, but if you are, please come talk to me or politely find yourself another church home. But there are people that used to be a part of this church that are no longer here that almost every time I would preach, they would uh, have some issue with something. And it would be like, well, I'm shaming people. Like, maybe I'm blind. I just don't think I shame people. I don't think I use the pulpit to beat people up. Uh, as a matter of fact, me and my friend were talking the other day, and they're like, man, people nowadays, they don't even know what beating up is. We used to be beat up with the Bible and pulpit and all that stuff. Look, no. 
But we, we have gotten to a place in our world that you can't tell anybody that they're living in sin without them being offended and stop shaming me. You're shaming me. No, you are living in shame. I'm not shaming you. I'm just telling you what the word says. And if the shoe fits, then you need to get out of those shoes and put on some gospel shoes. You know what I'm saying? And so he says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy. What enemy? Your wimpy enemy, the one that, you know, you just kick to the curb. My friend, most people can't overcome the enemy in their life because they've underestimated the enemy. Man, you don't, just like Jesus said, count the cost. Nobody goes into building a house that they hadn't counted it. They got blueprints. They've gotten multiple estimates on it. No, the same way, nobody goes into a war and says, man, we got this. We got this. We're going to smash this. No, they analyze their enemy. They know their enemy. They know the weapons of the warfare that they're going up. And he says, stay alert. Watch out. Watch out. Watchmen, watch out. Because you have a great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The scripture says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Stand firm against the enemy and be strong in your faith. Keep the faith. Surround yourself with people who can encourage you in the faith. Remember that the family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering. There's that verse that you are. He says, watch out. Keep your eyes open and on the target. Don't get over here distracted on this thing. Keep your eyes on the target because the enemy is powerful. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians, uh, hang on, I'm getting trigger happy up here. Let me get there. 2 Corinthians uh, 11.14 says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, the enemy does not come in big, bad, and ugly. He comes in and he's very subdued. He works his way in very subtle. That's the way he, the first time we see him in Genesis, he comes in very subdued. What does he look like? He looks like an animal, just like all the other weird animals that no, uh, uh, Adam hasn't named yet. And you know what I'm saying? And so he, he, he blends into the surroundings. That's how the enemy does. He will come in and he will blend into the surroundings. And listen, I'm not trying to build a, a, a culture of distrust. I'm the, one of the most trusting people that there can be. I just take, if you tell me that, I just receive it. But here's where, I, as I've grown older, you cannot take everybody at their word. You can have a conversation with my wife. You can have a conversation with my children. I don't even take them at their word. Like if Shay comes and tells me something, I'll, I'll say to her, well, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. And let's just say, you know, I, uh, if it was something that involved her and Glenna. And I would say, well, I need to talk to Glenna. Do you know how many people don't do that? They'll just take the first version of what they hear. You know, not, I've asked my wife so many times all right so take a minute to calm down because because how much of this that I'm getting is because emotions are high you know how how much of this am I because you gotta you gotta pay attention the enemy will disguise himself 
he'll come in and he'll work himself even into like us. Like we will be agents of the enemy and not even know it. Because you got your feelings hurt. And now you ticked. Now you're, and all of a sudden you're an agent of the enemy. When it's like, dude, you should have got a hold of your emotions before you ever opened your mouth. That's why, listen to me church, come on. That, that's why the scripture says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But we flip it. We'll get angry fast. We'll start running our mouth. And we'll listen last. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. All right? There are three responsibilities of watchmen. Three responsibilities of watchmen. Here's the first one. One, watch. Watch. But you're watching through wisdom and you're watching through discernment. You're watching with wisdom and you're watching with discernment. Because everything that you see is not as it appears. Everything that you hear is not as it appears. You're watching, you're listening with discernment. I can't tell you how many times that I've had people to come to me over the last 35 years that they're sharing something with me. And I'm like, why are you sharing this? Is there an agenda? Are you sharing this and is this your perception because of maybe some trauma that you've been through and that's really distorted the way that you view men or you view pastors or you view finances or whatever. You're watching through wisdom and discernment. Jesus called us all watchers at a basic level when he said, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And in the context of Matthew chapter 13, he's talking about people that they hear, but they don't hear. You, you remember one of his favorite things that he would say as he was winding down a great teaching. Hey, if you have ears to hear, what's the next part? Let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. In other words, what he was saying, now y'all been listening to me teach this, but do you, did you really hear it? Did you really hear it? You heard it, but did you hear it? You heard it, but did you hear it? And so he calls all of us, as he's talking to these people, he said, listen, there are people here, and he, you know, he'd be talking like to a crowd like this. He would be saying, there are people here that they heard what I said, but they didn't hear. And they saw what I did, but they didn't see. Because they see me as a, as a criminal. They see me as a rebel. They see me as this. They're actually in the crowd talking about, as soon as that sucker gets outside of that gate, we're going to stone him to death. They were, make, they were plotting to kill him. They saw the same exact thing and heard the same exact words. But Jesus said, they don't have ears to see. They don't have ears to hear. But you, this is what he says, you, you're blessed because, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Look, so who do you watch? Number one, you watch yourself. Watch yourself. You watch yourself. Every single person in this room 
before we ever look anywhere, we look inward. Before we ever look outward, we look inward. Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. This is what he's saying. Watch your life and your doctrine closely because your doctrine will dictate your life. What you study, what you put yourself under, that is going to dictate your life, or it should. That's why we have to watch what is being indoctrinated into our children into the public school. Because they are spending all this time being indoctrinated while we're trying to indoctrinate our children. One of those is going to win out. And he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And then he also says in Psalm 139, the scripture says in one, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. I mean, you're not asking your best friend to search you. Like I have people this week that I submitted myself. Some of you are in this room. And I said, hey, man, I trust you to tell me the truth. Is there anything that you're seeing in my life that is out of alignment with Scripture? Is there anything sick, unhealthy that you see in my life? While that is good, they are still flawed. I'm not going to my friends. I'm not going to the elders. I'm not going, even though I do that. The greatest one that you can go is truth himself. And say, Father, search my heart. Because you're not going to tell me what I want to hear. You're going to tell me the truth. Search my heart and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. The path of righteousness. Like, point it out, God. I can't tell you how many times that I've gone to the Lord and I've prayed this prayer and God showed me where I was wrong. Showed me where I truly thought I was right, but I was wrong. But when I thought I was right, I never asked him if there was anything. So guess what I've begun to do? Psalm 139 is part, these two verses, is part of my daily routine. It hasn't become religious. It's really the basis of my relationship. I show up in the morning. I start my day. And I'm like, God, am I out of alignment anywhere? Am I off base anywhere? God, would you show me if there's something? If my heart is, has, has been hardened or blinded or whatever, like, God, I want you to show me these things. So, first of all, well, who do you watch? You watch yourself. Jesus is very, very uh, uh, clear when he says, hey, we call it plank eye syndrome. Jesus is very sincere and he's very pointed when he says, listen, you are pointing out the speck in everybody's uh, eye and you got this big two by four sticking out of yours. He's like, before you go being concerned about everybody's speck in their eye, pointing out all of that stuff, man, get your two-by-four under control. Take the two-by-four out of your eye. What he's basically saying is, before I'm a watchman to anything else, I am a watchman to myself. Secondly, we are to watch our home and our family. Listen to me, mama, and listen to me, daddy. 
You don't have to apologize to your kids. You are not your kids' friends. Like, be their friend when, when they're an adult. I truly love, I've got these things at my house where both of my kids have said, Dad, you're, you're my best friend. Oh, that makes me feel so good. But guess what? I was not their best friend growing up. Like, I was probably a dictator to them growing up. You know, I was a gentle dad. I really was. I was firm, but I was gentle. But here's the thing. You can be their friend when you get old. Right now, you are their mentor. You'll always be their mentor. But no, right now, they're in those formative years. They're those shaping years. They're those training them up in the way they need to go years. You know, in my house, I don't know how it is in your house. In my house, as children, there ain't going to be no shut doors. I need my privacy. I'm, cha- I'm like, look, ain't nobody want, I see everything you got. I saw it when it was born. You ain't got no piece of your body that I ain't ever seen and don't want to see. But you need to understand this. In this house, you ain't going to have no locked doors in this house. You're not going to have any because I'm not just going to barge up in there and, you know, violate your privacy. But you need to understand in this house, you are not going to hide things from me. And I don't ever think there's any place in this room that you're going to be able to hide anything from me because it's uh, subject to search and seizure at any moment. I will look in your underwear drawer. I'll read your diary. I will do anything, you know, and I, and I did not do that stuff. But you understand, I'm like, you need to know that like, hey, I am a watchman. I'm going to know what you're watching on TV. And sh- come on now, church. Listen, you need to be careful of what those kids are watching on TV. YouTube Kids now has these perverted things. And what they'll do is they, they've got these perverted folks out there that they will make something that looks just like Paul Patrol. But it's not. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a, a bootleg version of it. And what happens is, is they will do uh, these, these bootleg kind of uh, copy versions, and they will, they will be putting in there ideologies of transgender, of homosexuality, even demonic stuff. One time I remember Noah was watching uh, this, uh, this cartoon, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was about this dog, and the dog was the smartest one in the whole family. He was smarter than his owners, and they lived out in the middle of the desert in this little shack of a house. Y'all probably know what I'm talking about. Man, I walked in one day, and I'm like, and I noticed, I'm like, what is this? What, like, what's going on? Dude, it was a full-blown episode of the man was demon-possessed. Like, this is my little kid that's watching this. This is a cartoon. It's full-on cartoon about, not, not the man, his wife. Uh, and the dog had to deliver them. Like, the people weren't smart enough to deliver the wife from the demon. And she was in uh, the bedroom, and I, I made him stop watching it, and I watched this entire episode. And, I, and I'm like, dude, there's stuff flying around the room. It was like babe, it was basically a child version of the exorcist. And so, you know, she's vomiting green stuff out of her mouth. She's doing all of this stuff. This is a kid's cartoon. What is that doing? That's opening up. 
It's opening up a door, a gateway, a portal into our homes. Like, man, we've got to be careful what our kids are watching. Listen, you do not have to apologize for what you allow them to watch on TV. You don't have to apologize for what kind of music that they listen to. Are you following me? We live in a world, I'm not going to say the name of the song, but there are those of you in this room that will know this, that the woke agenda folks had a problem with, Baby, it's cold outside. And at the same time, the number one uh, song on the charts was Wet AP. Are you listening to what I'm saying? At the very time, you're going to tell me, we're offended at Baby, it's cold outside. And the number one song on the chart at that time is this vulgar, pornographic. They're okay with that, but they're not okay with baby, it's cold outside. That's how much we are messed up, where they will believe truth as a lie and lie as a truth. Are you following me? That's the day that we're living in. And so you watch your family. You watch what's going on in your house. Listen to me, wife. And listen to me, husband, your wife has a, has a right to look at your phone. Your wife has a right to go into Messenger and look at your messages and, and things like that if she wants to do that and vice versa. There's nothing that I do that I hide from my wife. I try to hide stuff from her like Christmas presents and she finds every single thing. And I'm like, I don't even try to hide stuff from you anymore because she's... She's a watchman, you know, uh, in every sense of the word. But here's the deal. You have a right to watch your husband. My wife, at times, she has told me, you're too flirty. Now, this is way, way back. And I'm like, I'm just nice. I'm a nice guy. I like to hug people. And she's like, but everybody's not like that. And you need to be careful and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? You're my wife. I, I, I don't agree with you. But I'm listening and I respect that. And I'm like, so I changed my behavior because of my wife. Because she's watching out for me. She's watching out for me. Why, why do we do that? Because we come from a, uh, uh, some baggage back in our family where there's been impropriety in some of our uh, uh, per- parental line. And, and it's like, nope, that's broke, that's broke, that's broke. And I'm like, baby, you're the only one for me. I can't even believe you married me. Like, I married up. Like, what would I do? Why would I ever blow that, you know? But she's looking out for me. You have no area that you have to apologize for looking out for your spouse, your husband, your home, your finances. Like, if she, if she wants to ask me, what's this charge here to this place? What, where, where, why did you go there? Like, I don't have a problem answering that because we have no secrets. We have no secrets. Why? Because we're watching out for one another. In our homes, you've got to be careful what's coming into your home. There may be even artifacts in your home. And I don't want to get off in crazy land. 
but there may be even artifacts in your home that you need to get go home and clean your house out today. There's probably some stuff. I'm telling you, if you've got any pornographic stuff in your house, you need to get that stuff out. If you've got any movies in your house that, that, that supports any of that stuff, throw that crap out. If you've got any, any things that you kept, listen to me, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, if you had any inappropriate relationships before you got married with your wife and you keeping that up in the closet because it's special to you, no, it ain't. It is a portal and a gateway for you to some inappropriate crap that has no business in your life right now. Get that out. Get that out. One of the things that Shay made me do, and, I, and, 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 and it made me mad, uh, when we were dating, now you understand, we just kids. We just little cheerings. I'm 17, she's 16, and we start dating. She made me get rid of all the pictures of, of the previous girl. And I'm like, What? I'm not giving these pictures up. This is, and she's like, this is what she said. Well, why would you want to keep them? Like you're wanting to, you know, you can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that, you know? And she's like, if you with this, you can't have that. And she's like, I want you to get rid of all of those. You know what? It's one of the best things. Why? Because I was not in an appropriate relationship with that young lady she kept me straight. I was not inappropriate. If I, why would I have kept that? Why? Because I would want to be hanging on to that inappropriate relationship. No, that need to be severed. It need to be cut. I remember one day I was praying at the church and someone who would uh, travel to uh, uh, the Middle East often had brought me a prayer rug somewhere from Iran or Iraq, somewhere like that. And they brought me a prayer rug and we had it in our house and it was beautiful, hand woven, just amazing, beautiful. Um, and so I was at the church one day praying. This is when I was on staff at another church. I was praying and as I was praying one day, the Lord brought that uh, and, and I was praying Psalm 139. And I was praying, and while I was at the altar, I remember exactly where I was at the Loxley Church of God in the main sanctuary. And I was, as I was praying, I said, Lord, if there's anything in my life that offends you, point it out. Immediately, that rug. Man, I've never even thought about that rug, hadn't thought about it. God said, I want you to go home, and I want you to get rid of that rug. And I'm like, well, dude, this friend of mine gave me this. Like, it meant so much to them, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we, it, it was actually on that futon that we had in the kids' playroom, in the kids' playroom, in the kids' playroom, in the kids' playroom. A Muslim, Islamic, in my house. Bro, I got up right there. I didn't even finish the prayer. I got up and I drove to my house and I took that rug and I threw it in the garbage. Now, I'm not getting deep off into that. But here's the Lord spoke to me and said, that offends me. That offends me. I want you to get it out of your house. And so, like, if there's stuff in your house that needs to get gone, go get that stuff out of your house to have your house the purest that it can be. Now, I don't want to get into something legalistic and it's like, oh, what are all the things that I got to go get out of my country because I've been all over the world and I bought all these different things. I don't want you to get into that. There's also a place in Scripture where Paul, uh, I believe it's Paul, and he's talking, and they're coming and saying, look, look, we eat at these restaurants in the marketplace, and I know these, you know, these pagan people are, you know they're dedicating this to their gods. Do we eat there? Because we don't know if they've sacrificed it, but the, it's pretty likely they've you know, sacrificed this to their god. 
And this is what this, the word says. Don't worry about it. You are saved, you are sanctified, and you didn't have any part of that. So whatever they did, it doesn't apply to you. So there's also that. Are you following me? So we don't need to get all legalistic and get freaked out because I'm telling you, my house is a holy house. My house is a holy house. And if there's anything in there, I'll, go, I'll get it out. I'll let the Lord speak to me. But watch over your family. Watch over your spiritual community. Let me try to kick it in high gear. Watch over your spiritual community. Your spiritual community is this, part of this church. Your spiritual community are the people that are around you in your day-to-day world, your friends, those people. They're affecting you spiritually whether you believe it or want to accept it or not. So uh, this is what, in the book of Jude, if you've ever read Jude, the entire book of Jude is a defense for the faith. Because what has happened, the scripture says, and I'll just read uh, the, the fourth verse here. It says, Jude says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed, some versions say crept, their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Now, he's speaking about a very specific instance where, but church, can I tell you, listen to me and listen to me well. We've had people at Destiny on our staff that have done that. I get it. You, not, you may not agree with me about saying that. I get that, that some of these people are probably your friends. doesn't change the truth. I'm committed to the blood, not blood. Are you following me? And it doesn't matter if you're my friend, if you're my family, if you're my church uh, member. And... There have been people like this that they will creep in and all of the sudden they'll say, well, I think we're being too strong on this and I think it's okay if we do this. And, it, and before you know it, the sin is so rampant that it's like, hey, how did we get here? How did we get here? It's because the first thing you saw, you didn't address it. The second thing you saw, you didn't address it. The third thing you saw, you didn't. The fourth thing you saw, you didn't address it. The fifth thing you saw, you sort of like skimmed over it and, you know, sort of like, uh. Listen, hey, I'm not telling you something that I have not lived. And you get to a place where it's like, wow, how did we get here? It's because we watched it unfold right before our eyes. This is the case in the book of Jude. He's telling them, y'all welcome them in. You begin to hear them say these things that are against the word, yet you didn't address it. And so little by little, you built relationships. We went out to eat with them. We had them over to our house for dinner. We, we like them. We go play golf with them. We're buddies. And all of the sudden, Now they're serving on the greeter team. All of a sudden, now they're on the prayer team. Next thing you know, they're on the worship team. And before we know it, we've got full-blown lifestyles that are not lining up with the Word of God. How did it happen? How did it happen there? How did it happen in the book of Jude? Because there were watchmen who were watching it happen happened right before their eyes and it was never addressed and now it's serious and he writes the entire book of Jude to say you're in danger of losing 
the faith. I need you to defend what we came and presented to you as the gospel truth. Stand up for the word of God. And what you have to do, these people have to go. They have a chance. They have a choice to repent. They have a choice of what they will do. But if they do not, you have to release them. It's one of the hardest things to do as a leader. So, spiritual community. Look at this. Matthew 24, 24 says this. Jesus is talking and he says, For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. In another version it says uh, that if it were possible to deceive even the very elect of God. But this is a contemporary version that you can understand it. Jesus is saying, listen, there are going to come ministers like myself. There are going to come ministers. They're going to be so powerful in signs and wonders. Listen to me, my friends. Just because you see somebody uh, uh, doing signs and wonders, like, no, 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 no. Like, you got to look at that. You've got to, God will work through those people. God will work through those people. God is not going to hold your healing up based upon my sin. If you come, Teresa, and you are needing a healing and I'm not living a godly lifestyle, I can lay hands on you and God will heal you because God is not going to prevent your blessing for my sin. So God can work through sinful people. We've seen him work through King David and others throughout uh, Scripture. But here's the deal. The Scripture says that false messiahs and false prophets, false watchmen, they'll rise up and they'll perform great signs and wonders that if it's possible, they'll, they'll deceive even God's chosen ones. Who are the chosen ones? That's us. For you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. In other words, the, the, the chosen ones are not people that are, are like, hey, I just started my faith. I got saved last week or I got saved last year. You're, he's not talking about those. He's talking about people who are mature in the faith. People who are leaders and elders and bishops and deacons within a church. People that are watchmen in the church that if possible, well, does it mean that it's not possible? No, my friend, because I've heard people preach this different, and they said, they would say it like this, that, well, if it were possible, but it's not, because you can't deceive the elect of God. You can't deceive. No, my friend, are you kidding me? Judas was a chosen one. There was a time where just like Andrew and Peter and all of them, Judas, come follow me. He was chosen. He was called. He was right there with Jesus, yet he was deceived. So if possible, well, what makes it possible? You do. What makes it possible? You do. What do you allow? What do you allow to speak into you? What, what, what are you listening? What are you seeing things through? You allow yourselves. I allow myself to either be deceived or, um, or aware through wisdom and discernment. So be careful because I'm telling you, our great enemy is so subtle. He's so cunning. He's the best lawyer. Are you following me? He's a smooth talker that even the very elect, chosen, solid, most mature believers can fall into this place 
of deception. So the second thing that they do, they watch, but they warn. This is the sounding of the alarm. I forgot to bring my shofar this morning, but you got yours back there? He's always got his gun on him. Uh, But, you know, that shofar, bring it to me real quick. So they warn. So watchmen, watchmen, what, you come down and you just blow it, all right? Because my lips may not be used to that. So a watchman, he's watching. He's watching what's out there. And a watchman always has this with him. So that at any given moment, I, dude, I don't know if you understand the power behind this. I don't even know how they figured this out. If God told them, I don't know if that's in scripture or not. But like them using the ram's horn. But like, I'm not even joking. You can blow this and you can be in the parking. I'm, I'm not, I'm like right now, you could go out to the parking lot in the school next door and you will hear this. It is freakish how powerful this is. And so you would have the watchman and the watchman would always have his horn so that as soon as he saw it, he would take this and just give us a couple of toots on it, okay? Just blow it a couple of times like you just saw the devil himself. So this warning is going out all over the city. Are you following me? Like, like not only is it powerful in its tone, but he's elevated, watching over everything else. And so that sound is going out and down into the city. And they knew, like, just like our modern day, uh, 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 yeah, but, but our modern day, uh, military has different uh, bugle calls for different things. They had different calls for different things, and they would the people of God would know what those meant. And it's like if they hear hear one thing, they would they would rise, and they're like, "Hey, the enemy's coming!" Or there would be one that is like, "Hey, just wake up! The alarm's going off. It's time to go to work." But what they would do is they would warn. Thank you so much. And but you got to warn in the right spirit. To the right people at the right time. All right? You got to warn. When you're warning, you've got to warn in the right spirit. How do we share things? In love. Share the truth in love. You can tell the truth, but it's not in love, and it, and it does more harm than good. Share the truth in love. You share it to the right people. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. Everybody don't need to know. Everybody don't need to know. You need to understand the difference between a gatekeeper and a gossiper. Mm -mm -mm. You need to know the difference between a gatekeeper and a gossiper, and they look identical. They sound identical, but there's something at the heart of it. There's something at the heart of it. See, a lot of people, they don't come and tell me stuff because they're gossipers. They're not gatekeepers. But they'll tell it to somebody else to get it to me. I'm like, man, if it's a legitimate concern, like, tell it to the right people. Because why are you telling Butch? Butch doesn't have anything to do with that person or ministry or whatever. Why are you telling that to me? All right, 
why are you speaking this? Do you need my help? Like, I, I literally, and, and if somebody comes to me, this is what I'll say to them. Like, you know, I, I'm just using some of my friends. Well, all of y'all are my friends, I think. But let me use Amy. If Amy comes to me and she's going to start talking to me about something with Marilyn, I'm like, so, wait, before you go any further, why are you telling me this? Well, you're the leader and Marilyn, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, that makes sense. So, for now, proceed. All right? But if it starts getting off into something that doesn't affect, no. Have you talked to Marilyn about this? Because that's what Matthew 18 tells us to do. You go to that source. Like, I'm not part of this. Why are you telling me this? Have you talked to Marilyn? Well, I haven't, you know, I I don't feel, blah, blah, blah. No. If you're going to talk, you talk to her or shut your mouth. And I will go with you to Marilyn if if you feel like I need to or if you need so what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm giving y'all how I handle these things so that if you'll mimic this, I promise you, it'll help you be a better watchman. I'll say, so you, you go to Maryland because it's, it's a big deal. Like, it's a big deal. This is not a little t- teeny deal, okay? If I'll give you a week to get with Maryland. Let me know when you've gotten with Maryland. If I don't hear back from you, Amy, you and I are going to have a conversation. And I'm going to say, all right, have you talked to Marilyn? No, I just decided, blah, blah, blah. Well, have you got that right? Man, I'm working through it. Like, we're going to need to go to Marilyn. Because what? here's the deal. What did I say? Watching without wisdom or discernment will get you distracted. It'll ultimately defeat you. And it'll also deceive you. If you hadn't got that right, that's going to gnaw and it's going to infect and it's going to become septic. In the unity, the thing that breaks the anointing in a church is disunity. Unity, Psalm 133 says, unity brings the anointing. And so we got to protect the unity among the, the, the fellowship. And so you got to warn, but you've got to warn to the right people in the right spirit and at the right time. Recently we had, and I, man, y'all get mad at me if you want to. Like, uh, I have a life and I have a story and, 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 and I use my own stories. And I, and I think I do them tastefully. I think I do them tactfully. But there was a time when, uh, when we had an amazing worship service. Amazing worship service. Just God moving, prophetic gifts and everything. And literally, right after church, right after church, somebody's going to share something with me that was just, you know, just the ugliest, like, man, they, I don't know what God was not doing in your world in this service because it was amazing but you sitting there in your little poo-poo cloud that's surrounding you like the little stinky guy on Snoopy. And it's like you're not receiving. Holy Spirit's not penetrating that cloud of doom that you're carrying a, around with you. And right after service, that is not the time to come uh, like rain your septic mess. That's not the time. That's not the time. As a matter of fact, I told uh, one of uh, uh, our leaders, I said, man, there's very few days that I leave that I'm like, man, that was a powerful day. I don't know that there was anything off 
It's just an amazing day in every way. The worship was great. The message was great. The kids' ministry had an amazing day. That's where the enemy loves. Just, I'm not letting you get away with that today. So here's this. So am I saying that that person had no place to share? Absolutely, they had a place to share. That was not the right time. Absolutely walking with zero discernment. Zero discernment of what was going on in the holy place that day. So watch, warn, and war when necessary. And we war in the spirit. How do we war? We war in the spirit. Listen to me, church. Get mad at me if you want or don't. We don't war on Facebook. We don't war on Instagram. We don't war on uh, any of those other social media platforms. That is not the place to war. As a matter of fact, my sister one time, she started a war with my brother on Facebook and I just, I, I, I called her up as soon as I said it and I said, take that down. We are not those people. We are not those people. And she's like, well, I just wanted him. He's saying this stuff out there and I just wanted to call him out. And I said, you either do it in private or you don't do it at all because I can tell you, you're not going to change his mind. You're not going to change his mind. So what you're going to do, you're bringing family trash out into the public that nobody needs to see. And it doesn't accomplish anything because there are not people on there that have ears to hear. We're not fighting in public. Let's just take it and pray about it. Let's just go and pray about it. And that's what we did. But when you war, we're not warring in the natural. You heard the very first scripture that I shared. The weapons uh, or, or the war that, we, the, the, that we're waging is, you know, in the spirit realm. Spiritual darkness in high places. Rulers, authorities, and powers in the unforeseen world or the unseen world. When we war, we war in the spirit. And many times, most, that we're talking about in the New Testament is is we're warring in the spirit realm. Now, in the, in the uh, Old Testament, they warred in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. And you saw the prophets of the Old Testament, man, they, they would take up a sword and they would go to slashing some, uh, some priests of Baal. Are you following me? Uh, but in our day and time, that's not how we fight. We fight in the spirit realm and we do it through intercession. And this is what Isaiah says. It says, God is speaking and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, I posted watchmen on your walls and they will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray in the Lord. Like when we are warring, go to the Lord. Take it to God in prayer because in that time of prayer, God may reveal some things to you. He may soften your heart. He may soften my heart. He may give us some other uh, uh, options to, to go, whereas we're fixing to go open up a can of whoop. Uh, he says, no, that's the wrong thing to do. You should just be silent right now and let me be your defender. And then this is a very important scripture for us. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, fighting in the natural is not going to get you anywhere. It will not get you anywhere. Let God be the truth and every man a lie. Let God be the truth and every man a lie.
just stand on the truth. Just let God do his work. Go into prayer about it before you go to anything else. Go into prayer about it before you go to your best friend. Oh, I know it feels better. Why? Because that feeds the flesh. It feels, I, are you following me? It feels better to talk to my best friend than to talk to God. It feels better, but it's not better because it's feeding my flesh. But that flesh, all that will do is want me to war fleshly when I've got to be warring in the spirit. All right, say this with me. This is the main point I want you to take away today. With watching without wisdom and discernment will leave you distracted, divided, and defeated. Man, I don't want to get off, off focus. I don't want to be divided. And I, above all, don't want to be defeated. God, help us to have wisdom. So how can you apply this word? Real quick, three things. One, make this a part of your daily routine. Psalm 139, verses 22 and, uh, 23 and 24. I read it to you earlier. Search my heart, O God. Search my heart and know me. Point out anything in me, God, that offends me. Know my anxious ways. Know things that get me riled up, God. Know things like that, that get me going, God, that get my blood boiling and make me want to punch somebody in the face. You know, God, know those things. And God, bring your spirit of shalom, peace upon me. Like this, make that a part of your daily life, church. I promise you, if you do, this will keep you in alignment. It won't keep the other guy in alignment. It'll keep you in alignment. Number two, do something uh, about some spiritual cleaning in your house. Go home. Ask yourself. Go through your movies. If you haven't done this kind of stuff, go through your movies. Go through your Spotify, your iTunes playlists. Is there stuff in there that it's like is, is just diabolically opposed to holy living if there is man just get rid of that stuff get rid of that stuff do some spiritual house cleaning and then the third thing is this speak truth and love to the right people and then of course you can go on and say it at the right time speak truth and love to the right people there's things that I'm convinced that we do not say because we do not want to offend people. But there are some things like that I've noticed in our house from time to time. Um, and if, you, if there are new people, don't let me offend you because you're new. But there are times where I will see new people come into our house and it's like, oh, they don't know that's part of our culture or that's not part of our culture. Like part of our culture at Destiny is like, we, we believe that honoring others honors God. So, so in our house, there's not a lot of sarcasm. And, and uh, I mean, there can be joking and we can, you know, we're not a bunch of prudes. But we don't cut each other down. We don't cut each other down. And I grew up in a culture where, like, you know, we, we were so sarcastic. And it's like, you know, uh, man, who did your hair? Man, Bozo the Clown, y'all got the same uh, hairstylist or something? You know, because they got a new hairdo. Well, they could be so self-conscious. They're trying to try something new, and they stepped out on faith. And then, boom, what do I do? I squash them down, and I make them feel less of themselves. 
God never talks to me like that. And I'm made in God's image. So I don't talk to my brothers and sisters like that. So you see what I'm saying? So over a period of time, if you see somebody not getting the culture at destiny and you're building a relationship with them, just speak truth and love to them and say, hey, there's something that I just want to share with you. Like I've noticed that blah, blah, blah. And just have a conversation with them in love. Pray about it before you do, but speak the truth in love to the right people at the right times. So I'm going to pray for you. Our prayer team is going to be down front if anybody wants to pray about anything else today. And as we pray, this is my prayer over this house. That every person in this room, you are a watchman at some level. We live in a society where you've heard this expression before. If you see something, say something. Remember when all the terrorist stuff started happening at 9-11? And that came, that came very prevalent in our, in our world. If you're, if you're in the airport, you see something strange, say something. You see something, say something. See something, say something. I'm challenging you as the people of God. If you see something, say something. If you see something in me, say something. If you see something in your friends, say something. If you see something in your family, say something. But do it in love. Do it to the right people and do it at the right time.